Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by author Courtney Summers to chat about her new novel, The Project, that will be coming out early February. So welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you very much, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here. So oh, I am so excited to have you. I have definitely talked about Sadie like multiple episodes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> word of mouth is very important, you know. As yeah. Much as, like, yeah, as long as it's good things, I guess word of mouth is not so great if it's all bad things. <laughs> then I doubt we'd be having this conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, they were all good things. I think it was like the, we did like a revenge horror episode and I was like, I have to talk about it. I have to go through the backlist on your, backlist, is that what they call old? I think so. Yeah. Backlog, yeah. Back, yeah. backlog, backlog, backlog. I'm working through. I started with like the Emily Danforth in- interview, which I loved, and I have uh, I have playing bad heroines. I have to read it, and I just that that did not help my urge and my need to read it now. And it's like I can't read right now, but that's all I want to do is read that <laughs> book because of your podcast. It was so good. I mean, it's a time commitment, so I got it. It's a big it book. Is. It is, and I get obsessed with like the progress bar on the e-reader. It's like, oh, I'm oh, yeah. getting further. I need more. I need more. Do you try <laughs> to beat it like a Google Maps thing where it's like you have an hour and 24 minutes oh left in this book and you're like, yeah, watch yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> One less page, Google. Google's like, I don't care. <laughs> so can you tell us about the project? Oh, I guess. No. <laughs> um, the project is a book about an aspiring young journalist who is determined to save her big sister from a cult. And so she gets the opportunity to write an expose on them, and that puts her in the direct path of its leader, and and that goes very well for her, as you can imagine. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. So when you were researching this, is this based off of any real cults, or did you, like, pull things from different cults at all? I started out researching really broadly about cults, and then when I realized I wanted to base the Unity Project on People's Temple and Jim Jones and Jonestown, that's where I really narrowed my focus, and I just completely immersed myself in um, books, memoirs, um, big non-fiction tombs about like the history of the cult, and um, the website, the alternative considerations of Jonestown and People's Temple, the FBI archives college lectures I was just like in it wow so in it it was so intense and when I was reading when I was reading all this like it it was so essential for, to write the book but when I was reading a, a survivor's account called stories from Jonestown by Lee Fondakowski who wrote a play about Jonestown she said when she start when you start researching Jonestown you get sucked into the Jonestown vortex and so now that I'm done the project I'm still reading about Jonestown because I've been sucked into the Jonestown vortex. I literally cannot, I can't stop. I don't, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's just, intense. Like, it's just, there's so many layers to it. I, I, it's hard to let go of. Yeah. So do you think there might be any more cult themed projects then coming from all this vortex? Oh God, no. <laughs> I never wanted to. Oh my gosh, this book was tough. I, 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 I'm very proud of it. Like I wouldn't change a word of it, but I, I'm content with where that journey took me. And now that it's over, it's over. <laughs> I make it sound so appealing to write. I would <laughs> never do it again that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's dark. I mean, it's a dark rabbit hole. To it fall is. down. It is. I was like, I, I was so sad when I, I wrote that book. Like it was just, I was constantly gloomy because mm-hmm. I was constantly like steeped in this horrific tragedy and trying to work out my own fictional one on this 
it got to be a, it was a really tight deadline toward the end and I just look back at that time and I'm like how like did I smile ever (laughs) was there any happiness at all no no it was not but it was my unhappy period I guess you know like Picasso had his blue period this was the no the vortex period I guess (laughs) uh one thing I mean reading the synopsis is kind of the public image of the cult so I guess was that part of Jonestown that they had a good public image of like doing good within the community yes um people's temple was uh led by Jim Jones and he he believed very strongly in equality he was part of the civil rights movement um he thought everyone should have food and shelter and they should have health care and they should be looked after and they should be loved like and they did a ton of good in their communities in the name of this uh in in this of well it was a church it started out as a church mm-hmm. um that it, they had totally appealed to people's better nature and, it, and at the end it was exploited by like his total perversion of power but everyone who seemed to come into people's temple they did it out of faith in god or faith in each other and they really wanted to see the world turn into a better place and that's what makes it even even more heartbreaking because like when we think of cults we always think of like the compound on the hill that's like the world's gonna end tomorrow you know get in the bunker and and don't talk to outsiders but it's a lot more like i mean those cults exist but it's yeah a, there's so many insidious everyday cult you could turn around and find yourself in one right now no, <laughs> don't quote me on that anyone that's not like an official cult factor <laughs> Uh, no, I know what you mean. And not to make this about me, but I grew up in like a Christian fundamentalist cult and it was very, you know, community oriented. It was very positive and it just seems like a very tight knit community. And it's not until you get some distance from it that you're like, oh, that was a cult. (laughs) Yeah. Like basically like the power of, of community and personal connection should like never, ever be underestimated. And Deborah Blake Blakey, I think, or Deborah. Oh, she had a survivor of Jonestown. Deborah. Oh, Deborah Layton. Sorry. Um, she said nobody like nobody believes they join a cult. You join like a, a church. You join a political movement. You join, a, you know, a social rights movement or something. And then later you find out something's changed. This is not what it started out as. And by that point, it's too late to get out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a very slow summer. And I mean, people join in. Like, I know people are still at like the church I grew up in and people are still like joining it all the time, which I think is crazy. But, you know, I'm on the You're other on the side, side of, of it. Right? <laughs> I'm on the other side of it. But it's just, it's so, it's just amazing how the the perspective, just the differing, I don't know. I just think it's, it's fascinating, really. Like I could see in all my research how you'd end up in people's temple like that's the thing the more I read the more I was like yeah I'd, I'd be there in a heartbeat like you have this very I mean Jim Jones used to say he could like cure people of cancer and he had and he performed miracles and things and if, if someone who claimed to have that much power looked at you and made you feel chosen like oh yeah wouldn't you be like me okay like really me okay I always want to feel special it's just yeah who I am <laughs> and I think yeah that's important to have empathy with because I think people looking at cults in general tend to be like you know what idiots that they got sucked into this thing and I think empathy is important it's 
yeah, especially like, I mean, if the last four years taught us anything, it's like the absence of empathy is horrific. It is terrible. It, it takes yeah. us dangerous places. And, you know, we don't want to admit we have such uh, such a human frailty, you know, to, to be so easily swayed by wanting to bond with other people. Like, it all seems so weak, but it's it's so very human. And I think to deny that impulse in all of us is just to deny empathy to the people who need it most because that's how they stay isolated in these situations you're you're removing yourself from the possibility and othering their experience and then they have no one to turn to because they feel judged i mean empathy all around is just a very good thing more empathy please (laughs) yeah empathy all around and i mean oftentimes too that kind of strengthens the bond to your cult when it's like other people just don't understand you have this secret knowledge and other people are going to say that that sounds crazy and that's because they don't have the faith that you have or they don't know this like special thing that you know and like that's why you're different (laughs) exactly and it's like it's also I think when you when you put it in that kind of when you put it that way it's like suddenly you have to see past the obvious villain and realize that from the outside you're contributing to a culture that is helping isolate and helping these these terrible people thrive because you're refusing to acknowledge what they're going through. You're rejecting it so thoroughly that all they have is what they can believe in and it's someone who believes in them. It's it's just like a cycle that, or it's, just, yeah. it's, it's like a snake eating its own tail or something. But um, we don't want to admit we have any part in that. Like I can say like Lev Warren and the project is the bad guy, but what, what facilitates Lev Warren? What makes it possible for him to succeed? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of us. The monster was us all along. <laughs> you never suspect you're the monster. Yeah. <laughs> Looking in the mirror. No. Wait, I always suspect I'm the monster. I'm a very cruel author. <laughs> I've never written a happy book in my life oh man so I'm supposed to just expect devastation yes I okay. mean if I'm doing my job yes okay I hope so <laughs> I'm not like I really I would never want anyone to walk away from one of my novels feeling content that would upset me <laughs> I think well you definitely did the job in Sadie thank you <laughs> that, I'll, I'll be answering for that book for the rest of my life and that's now, I thought that would be impossible because I shouldn't, like, a dog died in my first book. And I'm like, well, that's a choice I should, I wish I could unmake because that's the choice I'm going to hear about forever. But now it's Sadie's ending. Well, they have those, uh, like, does the dog die sites. Because I know some people yeah. are like, listen, I don't care. You could torture, like, eight of these characters. You could, like, pull all their teeth yeah. out and kill their whole family in front of them. Leave oh, the dog no. alone. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see, um, did you see The Conjuring? Um, like within the first, I think five minutes of the movie, the dog didn't die, but the dog ran away. And yeah. It's like if the dog knows to go, I don't know. Animals they give us so much. Like you, we're, they're it's they're such signifiers. I don't know. I'm glad the dog didn't die in that. I don't know why I brought that up. That didn't even have a, like a tangible. That wasn't even like related. I was just thinking of the conjuring and that smart dog. That dog earned his life. <laughs> he ran. <laughs> He was smart. What were we watching with the Patreon group? Oh, we were watching Ginger Snaps. That has a lot of dog death. Oh my God, it does. I haven't seen that in years and years and years. That's Canadian, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good movie. <laughs> is, I mean, I don't like animal torture or animal death either. I was just like, I, I just never thought that I'd work past that moment in my career where everyone was mad at me for that. And now they're mad at me for a new thing. <laughs> I just know, I was like, wow, that's 
Sadie must have worked for for everyone to forget about the dog. Maybe you'll have to answer for something in the project. Like we don't know. There is a dog in the project, and it doesn't die. I will okay. Every, I'll, that's an exclusive. I gave you an exclusive. Okay. <laughs> exclusive, everyone. The dog lives. Lives. You can get attached. It's okay. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, so when you were writing the the project, what part of it came first or like, how did it become what it is? Oh my gosh. When I start a book, it's just like a general mess. So I'm trying to think like which part of this disaster first formed in my mind. Um, you know, the, the project initially started, it had a lot of mixed media in it. It had like newspapers recounting the cult, which was just not, it didn't work. Um, so I, I would just say, like, what first came was I was building a cult around, like, uh, through the voice of, like, a, a newspaper article. That's what I remember the most. And, and like, the nonfiction-y vibe. It had, a, like, a whole nonfiction conceit in very, very early drafts. So I would say the cult kind of-ish came first. I don't know. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst part about podcasts is I'm supposed to come on here and be a professional and, like, 99% of my answers are, like, I don't remember doing that and I don't remember how I did it just it just happened so with the project we're not dealing with as much of we're not dealing with like mixed media as much as we were in Sadie it's a it's a straightforward it's a I guess it's kind it's a it's got two narratives it's a dual POV and they take uh place during uh I don't know like about seven years over five or seven years a period of years <laughs> um, and it's not linear so it still has a, a unique structure that I really enjoy digging into but there's no um, there's no different formats or mixed media elements because it just didn't end up working and I think that would have been too like Sadie and I was already I already had two more sisters in this book so <laughs> oh yeah that is a that is a similarity like a sister yeah. In this case, saving another sister, right? Not yeah. going out for revenge. No. Well, kind but, of, but say, yeah. Give her time. No. <laughs> Every, everything can be a revenge story if you let it. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, that's another question I get a lot is why I decided to tell another sister story. And I just think, you know, Supernatural had 300 odd brother episodes. Why can't I have two books with sisters in them? Why? Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. Do you have siblings? I do. I have an older sister. I'm the baby sister. Do you? Aww. I do. I have a, a younger sister and Aww, a younger stepbrother. Do you feel like a, a real, like, what's it like being an eldest sibling? I'm like, I totally am that younger, annoying sister. <laughs> Can't even guess, like, if there's a layer of responsibility there because I'm the younger sister and I don't care. No. <laughs> Yeah, there definitely yeah. was like all the responsibility came on me. I was like held to like the higher standard for like grades and everything. My Gosh, I was the man. guinea pig, so my parents were super strict with me. And then my sister's six years younger. So like when I went away to college, my sister was like becoming a teenager and she would tell me how she was like out with her friends, like going and doing stuff. And I'm like, you know who never got to go out with their friends? It was me. <laughs> You sacrifice, the oldest sacrifices so much. It's, it's unfair. And then my brother just got to like chill and do whatever. And... <laughs> it's just, it's like, um, that's the, that's the thing though about being the youngest. Like my sister's baby book is 
full of photos because, you know, she did everything first and it's so exciting to have the first kid and then it's just like mine and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot thinner, you know, it's like we've seen a, a baby take their first steps before, I guess it's cool, Courtney, but we've seen it. So here's one picture as opposed to your sister's 30. <laughs> I am trying to make more of an effort with that because my second child was just born and like I have a son and now a daughter and I like being able to go back on Instagram and see all the pictures I took of right. my son. So I try to make an effort to like <laughs> take more pictures and take like videos of her babbling and like crawling and stuff so I can have something to look back on. I'm like trying yeah. not to. Not it's to. nice to have a platform. Like, that helps, though, I think, with having Instagram to do it because, like, I mean, in my parents' defense, they had to go through the whole, like, buy the film. Yeah. And, yeah, get the camera out, do the little windy thing you do with the old cameras. <laughs> <laughs> and you weren't even guaranteed a good picture. So, like, that's true. You had, to, you had to take, like, four at a time. Yeah. I forgive you, Mom. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're just, we're just clearing the air. We're yeah. coming to peace with everything. We've done a lot of, like, We've covered a lot of ground for like five minutes of talking. <laughs> it's like, who needs therapy? We can just right. do podcasts. This is good. Books in the freezer. You'll get what you need. So, what is your history with the horror genre? Were you like a spooky kid? I have you ever seen the movie Tremors? No. Okay, well, it's a, like a monster. It's like these giant earthworms. On, like, oh, yes. I haven't seen ground. it, but I know what you're talking okay. about. Okay. <laughs> so, I saw that when I was like five. And I was much too young to be seeing it when I was five. And I used to, like, I saw it once and then I laid in bed screaming and crying that the tremors were going to get me. Because, like, if you moved or something, they'd hear you and they'd suck you into the ground. And it, I, I, every time it came on TV, I'd watch it. And then, the, like, I would go through, like, weeks of trauma like that. And my mom was just like, oh, my God, why did I, how did this happen, how, you know? And I was banned from scary movies until I was, like, 12 or 13 when Scream came out. I had to like make, it was like a court case for why I should be allowed to watch Scream. Like I remember I had to like develop an argument that would get my mom to believe that I wouldn't be so thoroughly traumatized from, from Scream that she would be dealing with that for the rest of her life. And because I really wanted to be part of the conversation because everyone was yeah. talking about Scream when it came out. So I, I finally, I got to watch that and then it, it like unlocked something in me. I like had to watch every scary movie. I was like a regular fixture at, at the local movie store back when those things existed. God, that made me, <laughs> that was so hard to say. Yeah. Um, and I think the lady, the, the wonderful woman who owned it, she was just like, why are you letting your young daughter watch all these horrific slasher movies? I just, I like being like in the, comfort and safety of my own home scared it's a nice feeling <laughs> it is a nice feeling it i think is. it's hard to like explain that to people but it is it is you just you just feel so alive like <laughs> i love it yeah and it's nice it's i don't know there's something there's something also like reliably comforting about a horror movie i like when you get to that point where you can predict the cat's gonna jump out of the closet i mean sometimes when you don't want to be like surprise but you just want that creepy vibe you just yeah up like a, a friday the 13th or something and it, it just feels like a blanket my phone just oh, <laughs> a heater just kicked on oh. my phone just buzzed it was sabotaged <laughs> it's okay oh do you have a my room is so cold when i do podcast things yeah well 
this house is just like a Frankenstein's monster of like architecture. Like every person <laughs> that has had it has added some weird thing to it. So this is an addition. So it's not even connected to the main heating oh of the house. Oh no. Seriously? And this is like, yeah. So this we're is freezing, freezing. on each other's behalf. <laughs> I, we're, we're in this together. I, I relate. <laughs> yeah I like I can't concentrate like I remember in high school like math classes were always freezing and I'm like I can't concentrate because I'm cold it's and also <laughs> there's something about like um was your teacher uh, was he male yes like they can take more cold it's like David Letterman used to keep his uh, uh his studio really cold and it was like good for him but like his female guests like really struggled with it because it's just like there's a different <laughs> I don't know, we react to cold. I don't know. Maybe that's yeah. fake science. I read it on the internet, <laughs> and I don't know where I read it on the internet, so maybe I'm just lying about stuff right now, but I don't like being cold either was the main takeaway of that. Yeah. So you kind of started your descent into horror, like, in your early teens. Yeah, definitely. And I uh, I just, I, I, I don't know why. I've just always been that kind of personality, I guess. I don't enjoy happy things. <laughs> But you weren't like a Goosebumps kid or like a Christopher Pike kid. I love Christopher Pike. I loved Are You Afraid of the Dark? Did you watch that? Oh, yeah. I Uh, loved that. Did you see the episode where like the thing was in the swimming pool? Yes. That's my favorite. That was so scary. I was scared of like the the bath for a while there because of that. It was, I thought he'd come out like he was like an angry, bubbly. He was in the swimming pool, but he got through like with the drains and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think my... The one that scared me the most was like the one where the girl got dared to go into the empty house next door and there was like a deaf girl trapped in the mirror. Oh, yeah. Like... I think, yeah, okay. <laughs> they, they got like really existential for like a 30-minute kids show. I was like, is there life after death? Am I going to be okay? Why are all the ghosts angry? And then you had like those, that Zorro, or wait, was it, was it Zorro? No, the, the shopkeeper. Oh, yeah, I can't. It starts with the Z, I feel like, yeah. but I can't think of what it uh, is. But yeah, like her story was like her family moved and just forgot her in the house. And I'm like, what? Oh my God, who's the worst evil there? The house or like the parents? Yeah, and then they get reunited at the end. And I'm like, but, but what? Oh, were they out of time or something too? I, I don't remember. I think so. Like, yeah. it was weird. I need to rewatch it. I'm probably misremembering a lot of it. This is what I'm going to do as soon as this is over. I'm, like, going to find that episode and re-traumatize myself. Oh, man. Um, so a lot of people that <laughs> only know you from Sadie probably don't know that you've written some zombie books. I, I Yeah, I have. I wrote, well, kind of books. I wrote yeah. It's Not a Test, and then I wrote a... A, a sequel novella called Please Remain Calm. And it, it's about a, uh, the first one. This is not a test. It's about a girl who um, finds herself swept up in the zombie apocalypse and she doesn't want to survive. And she's uh, she's found herself in, trapped in a high school with like five other, I think five other teenagers. Um, and they all want to live. And she's like, I, I don't know why, but okay, I guess I'm along for this ride now. And it's, just, it's just the whole juxtaposition of, you know, the living dead and dealing with depression and, and trying to find purpose in like this new world where everything is just death. I love zombies. I love that kind of grim, awful. Have you you've seen? You've, I'm sure you've seen Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Yes. And that I watched that when I was like 11, and 
I just got to the end and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's what? That is so sad. Like I was, oh, I was so upset by that. And it stuck with me for like, I thought I hated that movie because the ending upset me so much. And I'm like, no, that's why I love it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about zombies. They're just so relentlessly terrifying to me. They are. So do you think you'll, you see yourself playing like firmly within the horror genre at all and then your future like that? I don't know. I left, um, a lot of people don't like where I left Please Remain Calm on because that like ended on a, a cliffhanger and I, and I kept thinking, I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to go back to it. And I just, I haven't yet. And I hate to say I, I never will because who knows? Like, who knows? There's always, yeah. yeah, I like to leave the door open to you. I mean, at this point, I don't know why people want sequels from me. It's like, it, it can only get worse for these characters. Like, they're not going to have a happy ending. I'm pretty morally no, like, opposed to those. It's like, have you read my box? Like, yeah, do you like, want, take, take this. Be yeah, happy this, with this. This book started with, like, six characters and it ended with like three and that that's gonna get it like that's gonna be a smaller number <laughs> the more it goes on until there were none <laughs> and then it's from the zombies perspective nice <laughs> so using our joey tribbiani scariness scale is there a book you would put in the freezer oh let's let me think so that like the like the book in the freezer, the whole thing is like it's so scary it has to be in the freezer, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just want to. I like, I'm always saying like I would put this in the freezer. I'm like, do I actually know what that means? <laughs> like, should have checked before I came on the podcast called Books in the Freezer. I was just like scary movie yes, and I was listening. Okay. Metaphorically, I would put The Need by Helen Phillips in the freezer because it is uh-huh. so scary. Have you heard of that book? I started reading it and then I got distracted by something else that was shiny, but I need to get back to it. It was very like psychological and it is incredibly psychological. And it, it, the opening, like I found horrific because it's a woman who knows she's with her kids in her house and she knows that she's not alone in her house. And Helen Phillips just draws it out to the point there. When I, when I get scared, my eyes water, I have like tears just rolling down my face. And I was like, I, I can't handle this. And I, I pushed through like, because it was so good. And then it did, it did something so extraordinary. I can't even tell you what it is. And it's just one of, it's like, it's, that will be one of my favorite books till I die. It is so good. Okay. Well, now I have to buy that (laughs) as soon as we're done with this. It is so good. Have a physical copy of it. It, it, You will not, it's, it's, it's. It's horror, it's like sci-fi, it's like a love story. It's it's, it's mind-blowingly good. All right, I'm definitely going to have to. Yeah. There's something about home invasion stories that are just right horrific. And... How would you ever, uh, I just can't imagine. I'm almost afraid to even say anything because I don't want to jinx myself. Like, I, I would, I, 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 like, I don't want anyone to invade my home after I talk about how no one has yet. And But if they did, I would be never be able to like sleep again. I feel like I did yeah. myself. I need to like knock on wood or something. I yeah, don't know. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're okay. We're okay. <laughs> that is something I've always wondered. I'm like, so like the police come and do a sweep and you're just supposed to be like, oh, guess not. I'm going to go back yeah. to sleep. It's fine. fine. It's, it's my it. home again. No one was ever here. They shouldn't have been. I would never recover. 
So I do have some questions from Patreon supporters. Um, Yay. Yeah, Danielle wanted to know, how did the story for Sadie come about? Like, how did you come up with the concept? Uh, with Sadie, I was like really, I think Serial had just ended and I found the whole the whole concept of it very interesting. I, um, I think it's really interesting when we uh, commodify violence against young women and girls. Like I like true crime. I think, you know, I listen to it, I, I read it. Um, but at the heart of these stories, the victims are often women. They've gone through very horrific things and it's been turned into like bingeable content. So I really wanted to write a novel that sort of engaged with the question of why we like the things we do, why and and, and what the consequence of that is. Like it's not an indictment against people who listen to true crime and it's not an indictment against true crime itself. It's just sort of asking everyone to engage with media more like thoughtfully if they can because a story that is someone else's that is being turned into entertainment, you know, can only inevitably come at their expense, I think, depending on the story and who's telling it and how they're telling it. And I just think it's worth sort of examining those questions. Though I don't pretend to have any answers to them. I just want to ask them. I mean, I think it's a tough question to have like any, any answer to. I think we all just need to work through it. It's just mindfulness. Like I think any level of mindfulness is good to approach content with sure. so that was the point of Sadie and I thought it'd be cool to like I mean who doesn't look at a podcast and go why can't it be a book <laughs> totally perfect sense <laughs> I loved the the blending of the media in there so how involved were you in the like production of the actual podcast that went with it because I just thought like I loved it I loved like the so music cool. cues and the right? yeah I it was so, so good it. um I I didn't know they were going to do it. And then I got the marketing plan for Sadie and it was like, they're going to produce a podcast. I was like, yes. And so when it was time to pick the uh, narrators, I got, I got to approve the narrators and that was it. And then a bunch of Macmillan employees got to like guest star on the, on the audio book, which is the coolest thing because like, I can hear my, I can hear like the vice president of marketing's voice and I can hear like the audio, it, my audio book producers, the 911, uh, dispatcher it's just so cool to hear that but I had no involvement really and that's the way I like it because this is the first time or Sadie was the first time that I ever got to hear like experience one of my own books like maybe a reader would there's no sense of like surprise when you reread the book you wrote because you know everything you put into it but I, I couldn't predict the production and how it would sound and and the the way it was going to be trans translated so I felt like I was hearing it for the first time. And, and then I, like many other people, got very upset at my own ending. I was like, <laughs> I kind of get what I did now. Like, it was, I was distressed. You broke your own heart. I did. I, I, I'm very proud of that, though. Just fuels my ego. Um, she also <laughs> wanted to know, you did say you listened to True Crime Podcasts. She wanted to know what your favorites were. I really, my favorite is Criminal. Because it it was, like, there's, they're short. I shouldn't say it's because they're short episodes, but that's like definitely in its favor because they have a very short attention span. But they're just compact little disturbing stories, and sometimes you just need a shot of that in a day. <laughs> so like I can't sit down for an hour with this, but I have thirty minutes for something to upset me. I'll have to check that one out. I think I only listen to Crime Junkie, <laughs> and I got into yeah. Crime Junkie through Supernatural, so I didn't even go through it through like <laughs> through crime channels. <laughs> Well, she has um, 
a podcast called Supernatural where she talks about like, here's an episode on Bigfoot, like here's an episode on this, but she also like has this whole network and yeah, has Crime Junkie. I was like, oh. I love things like Bigfoot stories and things like that and urban legends. Those are so creepy. They are and they're they're like fun. That's like, I feel like when conspiracy theories were fun. Yeah, (laughs) it was a more innocent time. Oh, man. So are you working on anything now? You don't have to tell us anything that's not like. (laughs) I'm trying to. I mean, it's putting me through a hard time so I can put my readers through a hard time. It's just like this. Yeah. The more a book hurts me, the more I make it hurt other people. Readers. (laughs) It's 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 um, I don't want to give away anything about it because I can't. But it's 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 going to be rough is all I can say. It's it's another topic that is going to require a lot of and has required a lot of like research. Um, you know, as much as I joke about causing, inflicting pain on readers, inflicting pain on myself when I write and all these, you know, loving dark topics and devastation, um, everything that I write, I approach with a lot of care. Like I, I can say that for myself. And this is one subject matter that is going to require a lot of care, so. It's got me good. I want to, I want to do it justice. Uh, I don't think I'm ready for the emotional devastation already. <laughs> that's what I like to hear, though. That's, like, that's the energy I want people to bring into my books, like total trepidation and fear. Okay, well, now I'm going to have to bring that into the project. I'm going to have to be like holding my breath and like, yeah. okay. And read it, like, read it, holding it away from yourself, like as far as possible. So, so can it be, can't like, hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As is books in the freezer <laughs> tradition, we always ask, our guests about a chilling obsession so what is something in horror that you've been enjoying lately i'm okay i it's not new but like i can't stop watching alien i like i can't i just it's my it's my happy safe place right now i i just can't let it go i was like i should think of one thing that is recent and that nobody's heard of or something but all i do is when i have downtime is i put alien on in the background i'm like this is this is my meditation. This is my ASMR. It's just alien. I love it. Um, it's so good. It's good. I feel like that's always when my husband and I are looking for what to watch. And I'm like, aliens on HBO. Let's watch, watch aliens. Yeah. Watch like, aliens. It's perfect. They're aliens. It's good. Yeah, aliens. There's a vibe. Like, you can just... It, it's, yeah. It's like just a weighted goes. blanket. Of, it's, you just wrap yourself around it and you get carried away to existential space horror. That's all you need. <laughs> Essentially, I always get met with like, oh, no. We're not oh, no! <laughs> I would defend your choice. Thank you. I watched it the other day while I was folding laundry. I'm like, fine. That's it's a, just, that's it's just for me. To, yeah. It's just for me. That's like the perfect time to do it. And yeah. Sigourney Weaver is so, like, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the alien's always scary. Like, there's, it's totally unstoppable. I, I love an unstoppable monster. Definitely. And also, I think when all this hit, the whole like, we need to quarantine sit scene just hit different, you know, we're like, yeah, they would just listen to her. They should have just listened oh to her. Oh my God, yeah. She's like, <laughs> according to protocols, I can't let you in. And he's like, you have to. And I was like, oh, this is bad. This is worse than it was before the pandemic. Like this, oh, can't forgive you, Dallas. You brought this upon the crew. How dare he. That is a subgenre of horror I wish there was more of, like space horror. Do you know, like, truly, have you, um, have you played the Alien Isolation game? No. 
it's like it's the truest alien sequel I have ever experienced in my life because like aliens I like I enjoy aliens as a movie but I get mad when I think of it as part of the franchise because it's not it's not horror survival it's an action movie with aliens so I get so mad I'm like James Cameron why why didn't you just put it like why couldn't they be running through the haunted house ship that's what I love so I have to like love aliens aliens in a very specific way and I don't even I don't even know what to make of the other two but I'll watch them too but I just wish that all the way through it felt like alien it was so perfect yeah I don't think I've I don't think I've ventured past aliens into any of the other sequels oh don't Prometheus is really bad, but it's, like, really good. I love it. I'll defend it till I die. I can't say with any certainty that it's a quality movie, but I feel like I could make the argument if I had time to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) You could, like, write a paper on it. Yeah, I could write a paper on it. Well, they brought in, like, there was some story about Prometheus where it made sense, and then then Ridley Scott brought in the guy that did Lost, and he was like, don't, like, Take away all the parts that make sense, please. <laughs> okay. Whatever. That's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've learned to love it. It's fine. Well, as is new books in the freezer tradition, now we ask our guests for a final girl song. So that is the song that plays for the final girl at the end of the movie. You can interpret that like however you want. If it's like I'm so a fighting back question. song. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I'm so excited um, to hear what you what you picked. Oh no, now I feel pressure. Excuse me, I have to go. Goodbye. No. Okay. Um, have you ever heard Burn It Down by Daughter? No. Oh, it's so good. I think it like fits the idea of the final girl song really well. And speaking of final girls, have you seen I had I was wondering because when I saw the question I was like, hmm, have you seen the movie Final Girls? I actually just watched it like yesterday. <laughs> oh my god, really? What did you think? Like the one with Mel and Ackerman? Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Um, so did I. I wasn't expecting it to be like touching. Did you cry? I, I did cry. I cried. Out. I cried twice. I cried like yeah. at the beginning. And then, yeah, at the end, I was like, I was not expecting to feel Yeah, this. it was so. I love that movie. I was going to say Betty Davis' eyes because of it, but I was like, that's too on the nose. Oh, it was so good. Oh, I should add that to the list anyway. Spotify you should. List. I think you should. Yeah. <laughs> It's your pick. It's, it's your my pick. pick. I'll add it. Oh, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll add it for that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So I'll add that to the Spotify playlist we have going of everyone's Final Girl song picks. I'm so fun. I had so much fun picking through that. I love <laughs> it. It's, 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 it's cool. It's just cool to see what, how people interpret it. It is. And it, there's been a lot of like different interpretations. So like the energy is kind of all over the place, yeah, but I like yeah. that about it. <laughs> it's like, oh, like a certain kind of chaos. You know? Yeah. It's like the horror genre trait mark. A certain kind of chaos. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and coming on to talk with me. Thank you for having me. This is really fun. Even though, like, I think I dedicated way too much time to, like, unpacking the whole dead dog thing. (laughs) I think think we all all have forgiven you for that. It's fine. Okay, I feel really guilty about it. Honestly, I do. <laughs> That's why I can't let it go. It's fine. I think you've you've paid your penance. Now people are mad at you for Sadie. It's fine. Yeah, it's the evolution of art. I'm progressing. I'm growing. To like just make more and more upsetting things. Yeah. So then that's the least of it. I just, I, yeah, people forget my lesser sins for my greater ones. I like it. <laughs> I feel like it's a great, uh, a great tactic. <laughs> just... <laughs> 
Thank you. Approved by Stephanie. Blame her. It's her fault. I'll take it. It's fine. Okay. Thank you. So where can people find you online? They can find me at CourtneySummers.ca. They can find me on Instagram at SummersCourtney and Twitter at Courtney underscore S. Nice. And everyone needs to go by the project. I and I will say, no. we were just talking about it before, but it's a very cool hardcover. You take it the is so dust- cool. I love it. Yeah, you take the dust jacket off and it says, like, there is no flaw in you dun, dun, on the dun. cover. And then you open it and the end pages are red. And they say, you've been chosen, which is so ominous. I, was, I loved it. I was like, this is, a, this is not just a hardcover. It's a mood. It's a it lifestyle. Is. It's a commitment. <laughs> Well, there's something, like if I own something physically, I love when it has like a little, a little something. Yeah. So this I, has a little yes. something. I love things. I was like, can you just bling this out? Because I love, I'm, I'm, I love that stuff. I'm just like the easiest target for consumerism, I think sometimes. But if it looks cool, I want it. So I know who I am. So. Oh God, we have our, our little knickknacks. I'm like that too. Yeah. It's how we live. And in a pandemic, who can judge you for like these little pieces of happiness? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty. I want it. (laughs) I love this. Perfect. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, and at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer. If you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Books in the Freezer. There's a one, three, and a five dollar level if you would like to support. There's a bunch of cool perks like getting episodes early or finding out what episodes are going to be before they're posted or recorded. There's also like a group chat and movie nights that we do and some bonus episodes. Like currently my husband and I just made our way through Stephen King's The Stand and we recorded some episodes and now we are going to watch the adaptation and record some episodes on that. So you can check all that out on patreon.com slash books in the freezer. Another way to support the show is to use our Amazon affiliate link. You basically just do your normal Amazon shopping, uh, but click our link first. And people bought a lot of fun stuff this week using that link. Uh, I see someone bought some nail polish, someone bought some dog food and dog treats, and someone bought an adult-sized Navy clinical-grade stethoscope, which that's cool i did not think that was something you could just buy on amazon but of course like who am i kidding you can buy basically anything on there so that is cool again the link to that will be in the show notes but you don't have to spend any money at all to support the show you can share about the podcast on social media you can tell a friend about it you can also leave a review on something like Apple Podcast that helps the podcast get visibility to share and to talk about us. It all helps. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at that's what she read and that's that's with two A's. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 